The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Blue chip blunder. Disney shares are slammed today after missing earnings across the board. A big blow to some of our committee members who own it. We're going to find out where they stand on that stock coming up. We'll also have the latest on Rivian's run and why one firm says it could mean trouble for the overall market. And of course, on this Veterans Day, we are honoring the men and women who have served this great nation, including two of our very own, Jim Labenthal and Degas Wright. Also joining me for the hour today, Bryn Talkington and John Najarian, the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's begin where we always do a check on stocks, trying to bounce off the worst day in weeks after that inflation read. The Dow's down 66. S&P's good for 11. And there's the outperformer of the day, at least on the majors, the Nasdaq, which is up 125. The Russell's having a pretty good day in the 10-year note yield at 157. We do want to stay with Disney, though. It is our top story. Jim Labenthal, you knew I was going to come to you first uh, on this because ahead of the print yesterday on this program, you said that if you did not own Disney here, you could buy it. And that was some 7 percent ago. So you got to own it. Yep, I do. Um, And I still think uh, just to use the phrase, you should own it still. And if you bought it yesterday, I'm sorry that it's down 7 percent. But I very strongly believe that over the years to come, this is going to be a better returner than the S&P 500 overall. So please don't be thrown from this horse by one day. What happened is they missed on the subscriber counts. And why that happened is because of Hotstar, the people who removed their Hotstar subscriptions. Hotstar is mainly their Indian uh, subscription source. It's, it's a low ARPU business. It's not where you're looking for the growth, either in numbers or in revenue. Um, so this doesn't really throw me from the belief that at 118 million subscribers, they will get to their 220, 240 million subscribers in three years. They're still projecting break even at that point on uh, Disney+. And that's incredible given that they're going to ramp up their spending on content. That tells me that they're projecting uh, better numbers ahead than they were just a year ago. Uh, And, you know, I think also with Disney, what you've got to remember is there is the theme park business. There is the studio business, both of which are coming back post-COVID. Uh, I know today's a lousy day. Some days the market punches me in the mouth. Today is one of those days. But uh, by no means am I staying down on the mat with Disney. I'm back up. I'm in it. You should be in it, too. The question is, Jim, are there longer term issues that Disney needs to wrestle with as it relates to subscribers and whether they've reached some sort of saturation point and that the franchises, the great ones, of course, that they have, will only take them so far. And not only do they need to spend, as you say, but they need to spend a heck of a lot more money. Bernstein today is talking about that. Moffat Nathanson says the company will now invest more on programming than their most recent estimate of eight to nine billion dollars. That clearly is the focal point. Price target cuts today from J.P. Morgan, uh, Goldman Sachs, UBS, 
Bank of America. Barclays does a victory lap as they downgraded the stock not all that long ago going into the number. So, Jim, how do you deal with those bigger picture issues, right? You blame it on one thing, um, but those are some serious issues that investors are going to have to grapple with. A, saturation, and B, a much bigger spend than maybe we were anticipating. Yeah, it's a great question, Scott. You know, as you were asking that question behind you, they put up the the march to 118 million subscribers from 10 million two years ago. And that just right there is a little breathtaking, 108 million over two years. Um, Yeah, the growth rate is going to slow down because we're no longer in the pandemic. And yes, they are going to spend more. But however, I think that it's spending that you will see a very good return on investment from. That is the thesis for long holders like myself. Um, You know, time will tell. But basically what I'm saying to you, Scott, and answering that question and to everybody who owns it and bought it is the results last night were just one quarter. And it's a blip in the overall trend that the chart behind you when you were asking the question clearly shows is moving in the right direction. I think it will continue to do so. And just to summarize, that spending, that's good spending. That's spending that's going to have a good return on investment. Okay, I got the defenders out in full force, Jim. I mean, it's not only Jim. In fairness, you've got a reiteration of the outperform rating at Credit Suisse today, price target 218. I've got Wells Fargo doing the same. Their price target's at 203. I've got the same at Morgan Stanley today, and their price target is at 210. And maybe the most telling sign of um, a defender, if you will, of a stock like this is our own Pete Nigerian. He's the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com, as is his brother. Pete, I appreciate you joining us because you told us you were looking at this for a while and you were waiting for the stock to go down. It did. You pounced. You finally bought Disney shares. I did. Today at about, at about 160, Scott, almost on the number. Uh, you know, the, the, what I've been waiting for, Scott, is exactly what we got delivered last night. We knew that the streaming was going to be under some pressure, and they clearly were. And Bob Chapik was very clear about that. And I don't think a lot of people really read into that. They thought he was sandbagging. And the reality is 2 million subscribers. That has slowed down. There is saturation there. But I think that what I've been waiting for is, we first of all, we talk about PEs all the time. You look at forward PEs. This is a company that used to trade in the teens. A couple of years ago, it jumped all the way up to 24. And now, for whatever reason, everybody's willing to accept the company trading at close to a 40 PE for their forward. And, and I think that was part of the issue that I had when the stock was trading, call it closer to 185 and up to towards 200. As it's been falling back, I was just waiting for one of these kind of days where it's a flush day. Everybody wants out, right? I mean, we see this move. It's down 7 or 8%. Seems like a lot of the weak hands are getting out. I think that's probably a good opportunity, at least, and I heard Jim just talking about this as well, to maybe enter. What I really liked about the quarter is they are going to go international in a much bigger way with the streaming. I think you are probably saturated here in the United States or in North America, but I think you have plenty of room to the outside and the outside world. And I say that because it feels like that Netflix moment where everybody says, well, you know what, it's saturated. Who else is going to get in? And all they did was go international and absolutely take over internationally. But The one difference is I still think that Netflix has a much greater pricing power and the ability to raise prices than Disney has been able to show. As a matter of fact, Bob Chapek even put out there for people to just jump into the the streaming world a really, really inexpensive one-month trial. Maybe that'll work. I don't know. It kind of feels like a bit of a gimmick. But I think as you see the parks coming back, as you see the rest of Disney with the, with the movies and all the different things that they're working on to try to get back to normal and the reacceleration of investment in 
the company itself to get out there. I think all of that points me to a fact that this is a good entry point now, and I think there is room. I don't expect this thing to zoom to the upside, but I think this does give you room to the upside over the next, as Jim said, at least the next year or two as they continue to get their way through and Bob Chepek still gets his feet underneath them. Because let's be honest, this guy took over at a very difficult time, but he's done an outstanding job of navigating and being very, very transparent about Disney to the rest of the public. Big shoes to fill, um, no doubt, coming in after, yeah. after Bob Iger. Let me ask you this, Pete. Um, how do you make the determination between shares, which you bought, and rather than, let's mm-hmm. say, calls, unless I, I don't know the full story and you bought both? No, I only bought shares, and the reason I did that is this, Scott. I'm always looking for the opportunities, and John and I talk about this all the time. Whether it's in the broader market and we get those big whooshes to the downside, that creates opportunity to look for stocks rather than the options because you're getting implied volatilities that are starting to spike in terms of the options themselves. Um, and I also don't think this, this is a, a, a company that's going to suddenly just rocket right back to 180, then 185, then 190. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. In the meantime, I'm going to be collecting a dividend and I'm going to be selling options against this position. So I'll be creating my own dividend stream by selling calls monthly against this position. But I think it's a, it, it's a value at this level, finally. And I think that the, I see the growth in the future. They're talking about sports betting, all the different things that, that Chapek, Chapek is, is putting out there. I think this is a stock that doesn't necessarily rocket to the upside, but I think it will move to the upside. Yeah, I mean, some are, are taking issue with uh, Chapek, the CEO, talking about the metaverse, and they're like, why is he talking about that? Mm-hmm. It should be focused on the, the story at hand, and that's the content the spending on the content and the theme parks and the real tried and true reasons why Disney is Disney. Um, but I'll, I'll leave that to others. I mean, Kramer today uh, had a take that, you know, his, his wording was the problem here was how convoluted the story is. And maybe that alludes in part to, to Chapek in the interview talking about the metaverse, that they should focus on those other areas. But he says people are being short-sighted to sell it. Your brother, John, I'll bring you in now because you as well, mm-hmm. I bought Disney shares. Why today? Well, Scott, I took some pain because I wasn't listening to Pete as much as I should have uh, because I held calls into the earnings announcement. So those calls were gone like that. Um, They were nothing. They turned to nothing. They're dust uh, like some, uh, you know, CGI turning uh, a human back into dust or something like that. They were gone. Um, But I agreed with Pete as far as if we could get a chance to buy this stock, and today you had a chance to buy it, I think down 12% on the year, Scott, which is pretty amazing. Um, I thought that represented a good value. Now, could we revisit 158 where I didn't buy it, but that's I think the low of the day was around 158. Um, could you get a chance over the next several days? Yeah, there are very few one-day events in the stock market. So you and I talk about that all the time. But being able to buy this stock with the future that we see, and that's not just the metaverse. You know, that was a little uh, smoke and mirrors, perhaps, by Mr. Chapek today because he didn't want to make the comments about some of the other things that inhibited Disney's bottom line profit as well as revenue. But the revenue generators, Scott, are still there. Marvel, uh, Star Wars. Uh, the theme parks, cruising, uh, ESPN, and the potential there for that uh, gaming or gambling, uh, I think is all huge for Disney. Now, the metaverse 
certainly could be as well. Uh, but I think those others are here right now. And it's just a question of getting us back open around the globe because this is not just a domestic play. To Pete's point, the domestic streaming um, with the help of Verizon for those that you know decided to get into Disney Plus that way, um, that is one of the real drivers that brought them to where they are now. Well, but now it's about international expansion of that streaming. Let, service. let me ask you this. Let me let me ask you this. Um, are you prepared as an investor um, if Disney does, in fact, need to spend a lot more money than you originally figured they might, as the analyst community is weighing in on today? That has a material impact, of course, on the bottom line, which could impact the direction of shares, certainly in, in the near term, after what had been a tremendous run off of the lows for this stock. Let's say they are going to spend all this money. You, are you cool with that? Because it's going to have an impact. Um, it certainly could. Um, I still think this is one of the stickiest in terms of all the, the content that they've got, Scott. You've got kids that aren't as young as they were just a couple of years ago, but nonetheless, Young people love what Disney's got, not just Star Wars and Marvel, but all of that catalog. And the fact that they can deliver what's already in the can, if you will, I know these are digital these days, but nonetheless, using that old terminology in the can, um, I think they have so much content out there that draws people in that they don't have to spend a lot on. Obviously, they've already spent that money, and then the rest is just residuals. So I think Disney is well positioned. I think they may be able to, much mm -hmm. like Amazon does, Scott, pull back on spending here and there if they determine that that's something that they could uh, help the earnings for that next quarter by not spending quite as much there. I think that could be something that we see, especially with an acceleration in theme parks and sports with Disney. Yeah. Uh, Degas, you're a defender today, too. Uh, you own the shares. You're not doing anything negative with them. Am I correct? You are correct, because uh, I'm going to echo what everyone else is saying, is that with Bob Chepik, he was talking about allowing the creatives to drive the success. If you know this Disney snor story, you realize that the creatives really have always driven success for uh, Disney. And so it, everyone's focusing on the streaming. There's still going to be a concern there, but we always have the parks, the media. And so short term, we're seeing this as a market perform. There are some concerns here, but we're still holders at this level. All right. We have uh, we have some other moves I want to get to as well. Pete, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. It's thanks good to lot, have Scott. you on. Uh, yep. Love when you join us, when you make these thanks. moves that our viewers need to hear about. Uh, we do have some other moves that that are necessary to talk about, too, and some very interesting ones. Farmer Jim, a new position in PayPal, which is going to lead me to Bryn next. But you have a new position in PayPal. Um, obviously, that stock pulled back quite a bit this week. When did you, when'd you get in and why? Well, just today. Just today, I'm uh, buying a small position that I will add to over time. Scott, you know I've been envious of PayPal holders. I really have. And maybe PayPal holders over the last few months aren't feeling so great, but I've been envious of you for the past few years. And now I've got an opportunity to get into a real fintech innovator. It makes me happy to do so. I will say it's a small position because we're late in the year and with where the stock chart is, there may be some tax loss selling that hits it down further into December when I'll pick up some more shares. 
Uh, but I think this is a great innovator for the next few years, and I'm lucky to get it at this price. We, we should also note for our viewers, this is your, what I understand to be, your very first move into yeah. the fintech and payments space. Am I right? That's right. I hope that doesn't make it a jinx, but this dinosaur can learn some new tricks, Scott. <laughs> um, and I think you're going to bring up that uh, I'm funding this in part uh, from Citigroup, uh, which is, which is you know, old money center bank. Um, Frankly, I've had a thesis on it that their cash flows support them buying back shares below tangible book value. But here's the fact. The share price has underperformed the rest of the financial sector. And I've got to respect what the stock market is selling me. So Citigroup is a source of funds for me uh, right today and over the coming months. I'm not going to sell it entirely because I don't want to hit people with large tax gains this late in the year. And yes, I've held it long enough that it does have tax gains. But the market is telling me that something isn't working at Citigroup. And I think I'd rather watch from the sidelines to see if Jane Frazier can fix it. You know, I'm surprised to hear you uh, trimming Citigroup. And if my memory serves me correct, and sometimes it fails me, but it's usually all right. Um, you've been real, uh, a, a big supporter of the financials. Yeah. You know, City included. Yeah. Um, maybe yep. one of the loudest supporters on the program in the conversations that we've had here over the last, let's say, you know, uh, 10 to 12 months. And now I'm wondering if that story is turning and it's more than just a one stock story. I don't think it's more than a one stock story. Now, I still you know, have a position in Citigroup. Um, I still have Goldman Sachs as well. Uh, and I do think the space is going to continue to do well because I think interest rates will slowly rise. Plus, an expanding uh, economy, particularly with infrastructure spending, should increase demand for commercial and industrial loans. The absence of stimulus will uh, cause credit card balances to continue to increase. So I do like the space. This is specific to Citigroup. I have to respect what the stock market is telling me. And you're right, Scott. Let me make sure that I'm owning this. I was supporting this for a long period of time. It just simply hasn't performed, and I have to respect what the stock market is telling me. Okay, I said this was this conversation was going to lead me uh, to Bryn, and we had some issues with your feet off the top. And thank you for your patience on that. It's good to see you as well. I understand that you are going to be buying PayPal in the next couple of days. Am I right? Yeah, well, I already own PayPal. So welcome aboard, Jim. The waters are warm over here. And so <laughs> uh, I already own PayPal. And I think that the sell-off in the stock um, really, which was caused, I think, mostly by the commentary around eBay and the challenges there, has been overdone. And so when you have a company that clearly the market has sold off in earnest after earnings, you really need to go look at the technicals. So I think Jim's entry point is really solid because if you go back a year, the stock has retraced all the way back to that September, October 2020 price level, which is a good support, which is right around 203, 204. So I wanna wait a couple days and just see if this holds. But I think this is a, a wonderful company. I think we, you know, we all know PayPal has over 400 million accounts, but Venmo to me is so exciting. Not only did they sign up with Amazon where you can make Amazon payments through Venmo, I think starting in the beginning of the year, but also you know, Venmo alone has 76 million accounts. I think that's more than Citigroup. I mean, so Venmo also transacted over 60 billion in payment volume, which was up 36%. So I think there's really good sunny skies ahead on PayPal. I just wanna try to catch it down here from a technical level. And so I think 203, 204 is a great entry point. So probably by the next time I'm on the show, I'll, I'll have made my, my addition to the stock. You know, I wanna talk about Rivian as well and at least update everybody on, 
on where it is. It, it turns out to be the fifth biggest IPO ever, which is which is uh, unbelievable. Market caps near ninety five billion dollars. Dr. J, am I right that you bought this not not from an allocation, but in the aftermarket after the stock was was public? Yeah, I you know, unfortunately, my brother got it and got an allocation on this one, Scott. I couldn't because I'm still serving on a public board. So there's a that's a bozo no, no that you're not supposed to violate that. And I did not. So I had to buy it in the open market. I've done that. Um, I look forward to the options. I believe they will be listed tomorrow, Scott, on this one. Um, And I look forward to being able to trade those against it. But I just thought that this was such a great opportunity. Um, Do I think it's the next Tesla? I don't know. But I know that the space is so red hot right now. Uh, There's nothing hotter than EVs and lithium and charging stations right now. And so this is a successful EV player, obviously, by the market cap. We can all judge that. Um, But do I think that it presents that huge uh, challenge to Tesla or to the Ford Lightning or to the GM products that are coming here? I don't know. I just thought it was a good trade. And if I can write a big fat option against it, just like Bryn was talking about, with PayPal, um, then I hope to do that, uh, to basically create my own dividend, if you will, by doing that, Scott. So, yep, did not participate in the IPO, wish I did, um, but am in it right now. Yeah, um, I said aftermarket, of course, and you corrected me, you said open market, which is, is, is what it is. Um, Bryn, back to you. How do you view Rivian here? I think it's, well, first of all, I think it's a sign of the times. Right. We're, we're clearly in a everything's at all time highs. But when I go back and look at where Tesla was when they IPO, I think it's important to remember when Tesla IPO, they had already delivered 1400 cars and they IPO with a market cap of one point seven billion. Rivian has a market cap to John's point of what, 90, 90, 100 billion now, and they've delivered zero cars. I think that there's also a right 118 (laughs) incredible. Right. So I think there's a lot of comfort around people buying the name because Amazon owns what, 20 percent and Ford also owns some as well. I think there's probably a bid below the stock if Amazon came in and added to that position. Mm. That being said, Tesla had a one point seven billion and had already delivered fourteen hundred cars. So I wouldn't I would definitely not be a buyer here. I mean, John, John's going to do awesome trading the stock. But as like a long term purchase, I think it's a zero revenue company is just too, too rich for for me to understand that. I got a thought that, you know, from, from something I saw on Twitter, which I want to introduce into the conversation in a, in a second. I do want to get to another move from the committee. It's from Degas and it is in the EV space, Degas. And it's a stock we have heard about in the past numerous times on this show, I believe first from Josh Brown, uh, second from some others, Albemarle. You bought that stock as well. Exactly, so Albemarle. So I really like the management team led by uh, Ken Master and their innovative strategy to, they're getting their revenues from lithium, bromine, and clean fuel, uh, transportation fuel. And these are one third, so, and they make up top five percent of the producers in lithium and so what we're seeing is that this is a attractive stock at these levels top desk for profitability 
and there's going to be growing revenues and earnings tied to the demand for batteries and clean energy. So this is a company that it's a good time to get in this company and is doing all the right things for sustainability. This thought I wanted to introduce is by way of data trek research in a tweet that they had. And it relates to the story we're talking about, but it really is a segue to a, a broader conversation about the overall market. They say that Rivian is the first legitimate competitor to Tesla in terms of institutional investor interest, which is an interesting way to look at this. That in turn could pull money out of Tesla. And because it's a member of the S&P, then you have money coming out of the S&P. If people want to put money into Rivian, it comes out of Tesla. Therefore, the S&P may go down as a result of that uh, source of funds, if you will. Jim, you have a thought on that? I just thought it was an interesting tweet um, and an interesting thought to introduce in the way people are thinking about this particular stock at this particular time in this particular market. Scott, it is an interesting tweet, and it's it's echoing something I was trying to say yesterday, and it gives me a chance to say it again. All of these companies together, their market caps have grown, and you had a chart up there, you know, I think, you know, Tesla at a, bil- a trillion, uh, Rivian now at 100 billion, Ford and GM at 80 billion. But, you know, it's been something where money has just been thrown at these stocks across the board. But now the combined market cap relative to the overall total addressable market, yes, I'm going to use TAM in reference to cars and trucks, that market cap relative to TAM is simply too big. And now you got to start to choose winners and losers. Um, And I think this is the point that Brynn is making. With zero dollars of revenue, and yes, that will grow, but a $100 billion valuation, you know, if I'm looking at my buddy John Nigerian, I'm saying make sure you take your profits early on Rivian because I think the OEMs, uh, Ford, GM, Toyota, VW, and Tesla, are the ones that are going to win out in the end. I don't think Rivian, Nikola... Uh, Fisker, Lucid, uh, Lordstown, I don't think those are the winners. I think the winners are going to be the ones that have scale and have profits. We're going to follow that incredible story, of course, in the days and weeks ahead. It is, of course, Veterans Day. We honor those who have served this country. Halftime Zone, Jim Labenthal and Degas Wright are two of them. We're also joined today by a very special guest. A Veterans Day edition of Ask Halftime is coming up, too. We're back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit ODFL.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started.
Halftime Report honors all veterans on this day. Our very own Jim Liebenthal was a nuclear engineer and submarine officer in the United States Navy for seven years. And Degas Wright was an armored cavalry officer serving in the military for five years. He left the service with the rank of captain. We thank you for your service to this country. We do indeed. All right, Lieutenant Jim, I'm going to begin with you first. I I want you, and we do this every year, but I, I, I want our viewers to hear what this day means to you and and also how it's helped shape you uh, into the man you were, your, you man you are, your service. I, I thank you, Scott. Let me start by thanking you and the CNBC family who not only this day, but frankly, every day, make it clear your respect for the military. And I really appreciate that. Um, to answer your question, though, all I feel is gratitude. I feel gratitude at the privilege for having served. And it was a privilege. And I have to say, I think carrying yourself throughout the day with gratitude is a very important way to live your fullest life. Because believe me, you can look at the bad things that go on any given day. And I want to give this message to the people who are serving today. If you're serving on a submarine right now and you're shooting trash or you're pumping sands or your chief is ripping you up, I promise you, you're going to look back on this day with admiration and longing. I hope you're actually on the sale of a submarine standing lookout or officer of the deck. Um, But regardless, all I feel is gratitude for the privilege of having served. I'm very grateful again to you, Scott, and the CNBC network. And I'm also grateful to my Army buddy, Degas. Mm -hmm. You know, there's obviously a good rivalry there, but he and I are good friends, and I'm honored to know him. Yeah, as we are. Uh, Captain Wright, you're up. Yeah, so one of the first things, Scott, that what motivated me to join the Army was uh, my father, Uh, He was a uh, service in the uh, military for over 30 years. And one day he asked me, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I looked at him. I said, Daddy, I want to be a soldier like you. He looked at me and said, son, if you want to be a soldier, I want you to be an officer. And that led me to West Point. And from there, I met some great friends. And we even have a, uh, a West Point book club that we meet every week. And we read about books that talks about the history of this nation through conflict. We started with the American Revolution and we're about to read about the Civil War. And so what I've learned through my uh, time in the military is service means so much and the relationships that I've been able to build. And like Jim, I want to thank CNBC for honoring the veterans. Uh, You make me feel uh, appreciated each and every day that I'm on this show. And for that, I thank you. Now, we honor the both of you uh, as we do today and, and every day. Degas Wright and Jim Labenthal, our very own. Our next guest, by the way, served four years in the United States Marine Corps in the elite scout sniper unit leading combat missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. That was after graduating at the top of his class in boot camp, the School of Infantry and the Scout Sniper course. He was also the recipient of the Navy Marine Commendation Medal for Valor. Jake Wood is the founder of Groundswell. It's a fintech platform designed to better align companies' charitable giving with the interests of their employees. And he is with us live today. It's so good to have you to to establish a new relationship. And we, like uh, with all other veterans, are grateful for your service. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. And and to Jim and Deegan, thank you for your service as well. Yeah. Beyond asking you what this day means to you personally, what do you want it to mean to others? 
I think Veterans Day is such a special opportunity for Americans to just take pause and, and be grateful for what we have. And not just what we have, but for those men and women who are going out there uh, really on a daily basis around the world to protect uh, our nation, our freedoms and our values. Uh, you know, I was honored and privileged to serve in the Marine Corps for four years with some of the finest Americans I've ever met. And I'm honored to continue to serve my community in a variety of ways, including over the course of the last decade with a nonprofit organization I founded, Team Rubicon. And, and, and Groundswell, which is your, your latest venture, is reasonably new. Um, and I described a little bit in the open about what it does. D- did you find that a, a company's philanthropic interests weren't necessarily aligned with those of their employees? And that's where this opportunity came from? Well, I think what we're seeing is, is really a groundswell in the, the talent war that's happening right now. Younger generations, Gen Z and millennials, they want to align purpose alongside the profits of their companies. And I think companies historically have struggled to do that. And so our thesis is that if you decentralize corporate philanthropy, give employees the opportunity to be the agents of that change on behalf of the company, they feel empowered. And we can really bring to them a really a, a new pillar of compensation. You know, it's base, it's bonus and it's charity in the future. That's that's what we believe. Can, can you tell our viewers more about Team Rubicon itself? Because that was your prior venture. And I believe you're still the chairman. Yeah, absolutely. I'm proud to serve as chairman of Team Rubicon. It's a nonprofit that I started 12 years ago. We recruit, train and deploy military veterans for disaster response work. And our teams have been active all across the country and around the world over the last team, last 18 months, not only responding to the natural disasters that continue to increase in frequency and cost due to climate change, but also uh, heavily engaged in operations related to COVID-19. We've assisted with nearly 2 million vaccinations over that time, uh, supported hundreds of thousands of tests, uh, fed uh, and delivered over 60 million pounds of food. Uh, you know, our service members have been active in Team Rubicon, and we're really proud of them. You know, I, I mentioned your, your service and the, the awards that you've won and the elite level in which you, you did serve, and, and that's awe-inspiring in and of itself. Um, I, I think that's obvious to everybody. I, I'm curious, though, if, if you can describe for us and our, our viewers this sort of drive and determination that leads you from, from serving at such an elite level in the military to wanting to do it on a different level once you leave service. Where does that come from? Well, I feel very fortunate that I have served in some of the most unfortunate circumstances on the planet. You know, my experience in the Marine Corps took me to uh, some very troubling places. And, you know, I, I, I achieved, I earned a perspective on the world that made me very grateful for what I have. And I came home. I was lucky and fortunate enough to survive. Not all of my colleagues did. And so I feel as though I have a debt to continue to pay. I want to make the world uh, a better and more special place. Uh, I want to avoid uh, America sending its young men and women off to war in the future. And I think we can do that by making the entire world and not just this country a a safer, more peaceful and more equitable uh, society. I mentioned at the top, I'll I'll mention it uh, again. We are we are deeply grateful for your service not only in the military, but what you're doing now uh, to help others. And let me also say that um, thank you to Dan Nathan uh, of Fast Money, of course, uh, on this network for putting us together. So I appreciate that. You be well. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. All right. That is Jake Wood uh, of Groundswell. He's the founder and the CEO and, of course, a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. Veterans have been calling in with their investment questions as well. It's a special edition of Ask Halftime. Listen to this video question for the investment committee. Greetings to the CNBC Halftime Report team from U.S. Army 10th Mountain Division Specialist David Alton Clark from Fort Drum, New York. 
Currently, I'm sitting in my office bought and paid for by profits from uh, the last 10 years of trading and watching the show. What is your number one pick for 2022 and why? Thank you very much for a decade of amazing television. Appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate that. We're grateful for your service as well. By the way, DAC is one of our most loyal viewers. Dr. J, you know that. Uh, he's always watching the show. He's always tweeting about the show. Uh, so we're so happy to be able to include that today. What's your answer? My answer, Scott, is uh, lithium. Uh, I'll be more specific and I'll dial it down to QuantumScape because you just can't have enough lithium right now. Uh, I know that it will be recycled as well. And Albemarle, uh, like Digas said, is a great way to do that. But I'll say QuantumScape, QS is the symbol. Bryn? I didn't, I didn't know what John was going to say, <laughs> but uh, mine is lithium, but LIT. Uh, it's an ETF that does the full vertical from manufacturing to mining to battery production. It owns Albemarle. It owns Tesla. It owns Panasonic. Um, a quick stat here. The UK wants to be all EV new car sales by 2035. If that happens in the UK alone, that would take three quarters of the world's lithium supply. I think lithium's a long-term secular trend. Um, buy lithium over Rivian. All right, I've saved my servicemen for last. Degas, you're up first. So I'm going to give you some diversification because uh, I already talked about Albemarle. Let's go with Manhattan Associates. They're providing the solutions for logistics and supply chain management. And we all know that's a really critical need now. Also, it's very attractive at these levels. Top decile for profitability and growing um, revenues in EPS. It has not missed an EPS since, I believe, July of 2018. All right, Jim, you're up. Yeah. Mr. Clark, thank you for your service. Thank you for your support of the show, which is well known to all of us. My answer is look at the next year as a relay race, okay? So the first half of the year, I want you to be in energy. You can use the XLE, but that's only going to last about six months or so, and then I want you to switch into FANG. And if you need one FANG name to pick up, you can use Apple. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up, John has unusual activity, of course, plus how investors should be navigating the next big market theme, the metaverse. We'll be back right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. The Biden administration plans to increase support for veterans who were exposed to toxic burn pits and other contaminants while serving overseas. The actions will make it easier for vets to prove that they were exposed and will push to find links to potentially deadly diseases. And tune into the news tonight for more details on how President Biden and those across the country honored our nation's heroes as part of Veterans Day. Ten unruly airline passengers now facing fines totaling $225,000, according to the FAA. The agency outlined 10 new cases where passengers shoved flight attendants, used expletives and refused to comply with the face mask mandate. And Bob Murray, the general manager of the Anaheim Ducks, is resigning. He will also enroll in an alcohol abuse program. This comes one day after the National Hockey League placed him on administrative leave amid accusations of improper professional conduct. Halftime is back in two minutes. We'll be right back. All right, Affirm shares, have you seen those today? They're higher after announcing it would expand its partnership with Amazon, serving as, as its sole third-party buy-now-pay-later option through 2023. Dr. J, uh, you have calls. The stock's up 12 and a third percent as we speak. So what do you do? You roll them up, or what's, what's the story? Um, I did today, Scott, roll them up. Mm. Um, I love the story. I love buy-now-pay-later. I think it's a story that plays out for years and a lot of other companies are going to look to either create partnerships or buy somebody like a firm. And I think this one's got 200 written all over it sometime mid-2022. You know, nobody else owns it, but your commentary on it, um, Bryn, is interesting. When you look at the competitive landscape here uh, and you say there's no moat. Right. Well, I mean, when you when you want to invest in a company that long-term a secular trend, you want to make sure they have a moat around it. And I would never discount Max Levchin. I mean, he's part of the PayPal mafia. He's incredible. So I'm open that I'm wrong on this. But the, but the issue to me is MasterCard has it. Visa's rolling it out. Um, PayPal has it. Square has it. It's not complicated to create that. And so I think longer term, I think it's a wonderful feature, but I don't know long term how this company continues to be a dominant player when most other companies will just bolt it on, whether that's organically or like a PayPal, they bought the, you know, the Japanese company earlier. So for that reason, sentiment's on its side. But from an investment, I wouldn't be a long term buyer of this at this at this point. OK, you know, the other one in your wheelhouse today, uh, John, is SoFi. Uh, speaking of shares that are moving higher, uh, you have calls here, too. Yeah. Uh, and this one's one that has just paid dividends, if you will, Scott, and the pun is intended. Just over and over again, this stock has outperformed. I know it's a Kathy Wood stock, um, and I love riding in this one. Uh, I think, you know, Liz Young has to be delighted. I hope she has lots of it in her portfolio. <laughs> yeah. She's a for them. Um, but yeah, this, this one has continued to be one of the fintech monsters of 2021. Yeah, we hope she got stock, too. Uh, but that's yeah. a nice day for, for SoFi. John's coming back after the break. We have unusual activity in two minutes. All right, let's do unusual activity now, Doc. What do you have for us today? 
Well, I've got some January calls in Freeport, Scott. And if you pull that name up, you'll just say, wow, look at the move. This is not a small cap stock, but FCX is moving strong to the upside today. They bought 24,000 of the January 41 calls. I think the stock is approaching that level right now, might even be passing it, Scott. Uh, the stock was a little over 40 when we saw this. That's 2.4 million share equivalent. I was already in. I rolled up. Second one is Dish Network, D-I-S-H. Stock was 36.05. They were buying 5,000 of the January 37.50 calls. Loved that one as well. That's a new position for me. So I jumped into Dish, uh, and I'll probably ride both of those positions for the next 30 to 60 days, Scott. All right. Appreciate the updates on both of those, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. Final trades are coming up next. Well, my vision is to use Disney Plus as the platform for the metaverse. I think it really blends our physical beings with our digital beings and creates a three-dimensional canvas, if you will, for our creative storytellers to paint so that we can create experiences that otherwise have been defined as it's a park experience or it's a movie experience or it's a book experience. I think those all come together without boundaries, without borders, without constraints, and our creatives are just biting at the bit to get into the Disney metaverse. All right, seems everybody's talking about the metaverse these days, including Disney CEO Bob Chapek. All right, I want to talk to my committee members, find out if they're even thinking about the metaverse. Bryn, are you playing this yet? Yeah, of course. Of course. So, I mean, I think, first of all, defining the metaverse is like defining transitory. It's a different definition depending on who you ask. <laughs> I'm going to give you an infrastructure play, NVIDIA. Absolutely, you're going to need really powerful chips if we're going to start creating haptic suits. And then from a platform play, Dave Bazuki has been thinking about the metaverse for probably two decades, and that would be Roblox. I bring it up because Morgan Stanley has a note today called the next big theme, the metaverse, where they have a bunch of different stocks. Degas, Adobe and Autodesk are on their list. I think they're on their list. They're on your list. Exactly. So that's how we've been playing the metaverse, because if you talk about Autodesk, they came out over 20 years ago with their uh, 3D design tool. And so what their tools are doing now is actually reducing carbon um, waste in their design. Also, Adobe with their Creative Cloud, it's reaching, the, the Creative Cloud is reaching about $11 billion in growth right now. So these is how we've been playing this and we see it as a design tool to uh, create the economy of the future. All right, Lieutenant Jim Labenthal, why don't you give me your final trade, please, sir? You got it. NXP semiconductors. Uh, this is semiconductors for the automotive industry. I think this is one you got to keep an eye on. I think a year or two from now, you're going to be looking at it like AMD. All right. Thank you. Uh, another metaverse play. Captain Wright. Yeah, into it. It is the after the acquisition of MailChimp, it's becoming the go to for accounting and marketing for small businesses and individual. Go Army. <laughs> All right. There you go. You take it easy, Jim. Dr. Okay. J. <laughs> um, Scott BK, uh, Bank of New York, Mellon. I bought the 60 calls during the show. Oh, interesting move uh, in the last few minutes, uh, from what I understand. Yes, sir. All right, Bryn, what do you have for us with the final? Coinbase. Uh, we know the fundamentals. It's bouncing off the 20 days, so the fundamentals and the technicals look strong. All right. I uh, see that uh, moving to the upside on the back of uh, that earnings report. 
Thank you so very much for joining us today. A happy Veterans Day to all the men and women who have served this great country. And again, salute to our own Jim Labenthal and Degas Wright. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.